Good evening. Please be ready. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. I've always been attracted to the simplicity of the book of James. And I suspect many of you agree with that assessment about this epistle. What the Holy Spirit gave James to write is practical, simple, and can be made personal if we are sincere, seeking to grow and ready to review what we previously learned and done to stay strong and disciplined as Christians. Tonight, James chapter 4, 13 through 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. It may be helpful in regard to this passage or any other passage in the Bible to use a Bible dictionary to define the words in the passage. That can be a good study tool. If you have some academic background, it might be interesting to discover the meaning and use of the Greek words in this passage or in the Old Testament, the Hebrew source terms. If you are interested in grammar, structure, literary genre, those areas of studies might contribute to your Bible study and to an examination of this paragraph. Most of us are not so inclined, especially with a passage like this. Without any of that academic work, we can read this and we can immediately know what this is about. And then we can examine ourselves in the present and be warned going forward. This is the way James writes. Simple and practical. You read these paragraphs and immediately you know what this is about. So I read this in James 4, 13 to 17, and I form a picture in my mind. Or as I sometimes say, I play out in my mind a video. And I see businessmen sitting around a table talking about how they're going to make money, how they're going to do business, where they're going to go, what they're going to trade, a planning session. In modern day business terms, it might be a conference room. And they're around that conference table. And one of them says, I've got an idea. 
And another says, well, that sounds good, but let me add this to the agenda. And businessmen talk back and forth, and they're making plans with the purpose of profit. Now, stop there. Let's not overreact to this so far. We need clarity. So far, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with planning. There is no divine objection to businessmen having planning sessions, and their goal is to gain profit in the future, so long as there's honesty in that deliberation. And everything is legal and just and right before God, there is nothing wrong with making plans in your work or your business. In fact, it's good stewardship. You take what God has given you in terms of resources, opportunity, and talent, and you plan how that can work in order to support your family. It is responsible. It's even wise if you're going to support yourself and your family and be a responsible citizen to be careful, to plan, to follow God's law, and to seek to maximize your gain or profit, to do your best to be prudent and thoughtful with that principle of honesty. Nothing wrong with travel or trade or hope of gain. It's actually good stewardship. The problem is what was missing in these calculations by these businessmen. And what is missing is you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And another way to say that would be tomorrow really belongs to God. Tomorrow really belongs to God. And if you think you know the future, you are, James says, arrogant. That's what he calls it. And we do not have in our minds the capacity to forecast the future with any level of certainty. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. And this is so whether you're talking about merchants, businessmen, customers, travelers, every one of us. And you could just go through a list here, and I will. Scientists don't know the future. Weathermen don't know the future. Politicians don't know the future. Some of them don't know the present. Journalists don't know the future. Preachers don't know. Elders don't know. We can guess. We can offer an opinion. We can forecast based on current knowledge and past history. But nobody is capable of seeing or knowing the future with any level of certainty. These businessmen, in James' example, made plans, but something was missing. They did not know, and we do not know, what tomorrow will bring. Tomorrow really belongs to God, and we need to acknowledge that. All I know about the future is the Lord will come. 
but I don't know when. In the picture James paints, there is no clear acknowledgement that tomorrow is not guaranteed that tomorrow belongs to God. That's part of the problem in the scene James puts before his readers. It is like James walks into this conference room or this meeting and he says, wait a minute, you're leaving something out of your plans. Now listen again from 14 down. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him it is sin. When we make plans for the future, there is always this absolute that we must reckon with. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. All right, here's a comparison to go into some more depth with this idea. Recall the prophets of the Old Testament. The only way they knew the future was God was their source. They were not good forecasters. They were not good at calculating what would happen so many years later. The only way they knew the future was God was their source. And even with those inspired prophets, God didn't tell them everything. Their minds would have exploded. God didn't tell them everything. He gave them specific information about future judgment, the coming of the Messiah, the establishment of the kingdom. Events pertaining to God's plan of redemption, God chose to reveal to these men, the prophets. Only as God revealed the future to them could they write it. Only as God revealed the future to them could they write about events 700 years in advance. What about you? What about me? Can you write down what will happen in 700 years? Well, I'm going to give you a break. Can you write down what will happen in 70 years? Seven years, seven days, seven hours, seven minutes. Can we write down what will happen in the future? Nobody's willing to take that challenge even with the seven minutes. You might think you have a better chance at seven minutes but not seven years or 70 or 700. And this is what is expressed by James in James 4, 14. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. We know the Lord will come, but we don't know when. We are not prophets and we are really not very good forecasters. 
When I make plans thinking I have absolute knowledge of the future, James says that's boasting, arrogance, and evil. Those are James' words, and he got them from the Holy Spirit. The better attitude toward the future is, if the Lord wills. Remember, he owns tomorrow. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. That is sensible, but beyond that, it conveys trust in God. It conveys trust in God. It acknowledges His sovereign ownership of time. Tomorrow belongs to God. Then verse 17. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. As applied within this context, this paragraph, we know it is right to acknowledge our ignorance of the future and the Lord's will. If we know that, but we forget it or ignore it in our planning, that boasting is evil, arrogance, and sin. So, let's listen again. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. <coughs> now, you may be thinking... Is he finished? You don't know for sure, do you? Because you can't forecast the future. It is only based on your experience with me that you believe I'm not finished. You're right. So takeaways. I want to stress the danger of over-interpreting. By that I mean reading part of a passage and drawing a conclusion, but then not taking into account where that passage is in the surrounding setting of it. So in this case, reading part of this passage and drawing a conclusion that would amount to being critical of people for making plans. That's ill-conceived. The problem exposed here is not making plans to earn money, business trips, or hope of gain. We must let James tell us what the issue is. And the issue is making plans while ignoring who owns time. The future is God's, not ours. Thinking we have absolute knowledge of the future, James says that's arrogant, boasting, evil, and sin. So you have to let James tell you what the problem is. It is thinking and boasting about the future without acknowledging the Lord's ownership 
of the future. Business plans and profit, all good. So long as we're honest and lawful about all that, so long as we acknowledge God's sovereign hold on the future. And what comes with that is our ignorance of the future. Then notice, this is one of those cases in the Bible where God, through the writer, tells us what not to say and what to say. Did you see that in the passage? This is one of those passages in the Bible where God, through the writer, tells us what not to say and what to say. I tell you, we need that kind of direction. We need that kind of direction. In my youth, my parents functioned that way. They told me what not to say and what to say, and I needed that discipline. And sometimes I still need someone like Paula to advise me not to say something. Sometimes she'll tell me not to say something, and she doesn't even know I'm thinking about saying it. We all need that kind of direction from God through the writer telling us what not to say and what to say. Do's and don'ts we all need. So in this case, instead of saying, this is what we know about tomorrow, James says, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Like children, uh, we are children of God. We need this kind of simple instruction. Don't say this. Instead, say this. That's good for us. Don't say, I'm certain. I know how this will turn out. I know my plans will come to fruition. Don't say that. If the Lord wills is a phrase that reverently acknowledges his ownership of time. Number three, in the middle of, do, do I have four or three? See, you don't know. In the middle of this, there is such a good thought question for all of us to ponder all the time. What is your life? Did you see that in verse 14? What is your life? We need to stop and think about that. Have you ever just paused and taken a few minutes to simply ponder the question, what is your life? The Bible gives many answers. Here's the answer James offers in this context. You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So much truth is wrapped up in that little sentence. I'll discuss with you for a moment one element of it. When we think of life, we often think of length. We think of time. We think of the calendar. So when you have a birthday, one passing thought may be, wow, I've been here a long time, 74 years or whatever it is for you. We tend to measure life by time. Here's another example of that. If a baby dies or a young child, we may say something about the short time that person lived. If someone lives over a hundred years, 
we may remark that they certainly have lived a long time. Time is our common measurement of life. But then James steps in as we look at the clock and the calendar. James steps in and he says, we are all here for a little time. Like a mist that appears and then vanishes away. I believe statements like this are designed to sober us. Not just for the few moments we think about them. To put us on alert. Because this speaks of brevity. We ought to go into every day with thoughts of the brevity of life. We ought to think about that tomorrow. If the Lord wills. See? This speaks of brevity. The message I get is, I need to be busy urgently doing the Lord's work and being the kind of man God wants me to be because there's not much time. If I'm going to grow deeper in my faith and stronger in my prayers and better attitudes toward people, greater effort in evangelism, all that needs my all of that needs my attention now because I may not be able to do anything tomorrow. This is all about what some have called the myth of tomorrow. And it's all about what we don't know. Does he, is he going to have four points? All right, number four. It was a guess on your part, right? Number four, verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him... It is sin. Now, there's the application here that falls within this paragraph, this scene. Knowing that you ought to say about the future that it belongs to God, but ignoring that truth. But there's a broader application to be made. Knowing what is good and right before God from His Word. Knowledge is not the problem. We know. We know what we ought to do. But we just don't do it. James has a word for that. Sin. Able to worship, but you just don't do it. Knowing you need to pray, but you just don't do it. Knowing you need to read your Bible, but you just don't do it. Know that you need to help someone, encourage someone, but you just don't do it. Knowing that you need to talk to someone about the Lord, but you just don't do it. You know the knowledge is there. The action from that knowledge is absent. Sin. That's what James says. One more quotation from R. Kent Hughes about leaving God out of your plans. Hughes says, The nations come together for noble purposes, the peace and prosperity of all mankind, but without any reference to God. Indeed, there is a calculated indifference to God, even skepticism about His existence. 
our brave, new, pleasure-dominated, pleasure-seeking world is increasingly filled with people who live their lives with no reference to God. May that not be us. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I'll see you next time, if the Lord wills. Let's be standing to sing.